episode 17, Front Stairs Talks. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 17. Holy shnikes! We are here. Um, episode 17, we're streamrolling through these things. Um, who's coming up next is my business partner, Tim Santos, from Diesel's Entertainment. We basically talked to you about how he started Diesel and how we merged together and basically the difference between booking a local act to a national act and, um, you know, the ins and outs that people don't really talk about booking and things that we had to learn over the years because it's just one of those industries that you have to learn um you learn by failing you learn by losing money you learn by etc we basically give you some cheat codes on how to do it um and you know we kind of have some general conversation about what we want to do in the future so sit back relax and enjoy here he is big sexy himself my uh my brother from another mother tim santos we are here episode 17 holy crap we are really really um flying through these things and it is taking thing and as we talk about in every episode every episode has a sports reference so what do we do for this boston sports reference is number 17 Mian lucic so Lucic is kind of a pretty guy, really. Well, back in the day, he used to be like this tough guy, take care of anything, no no bullshit personality. Uh, he got a little bit soft over the years. So this person represents the silver over all because the guy became a dad. Uh, they, these kids make us fucking soft. So without further ado, my business partner, Tim Santos from Diesel Entertainment. Tim, say hi to the people. Hey, what's going on, everybody? How you doing? How you doing, beautiful? Yeah, buddy. Let's do this. <laughs> Good times. So right off the bat, give some people the info how you started Diesel. So Diesel Entertainment was actually started by a gentleman by the name of Cameron McKenzie, who was the lead singer of a band back in the day called Plank 63, who went on to become Plank. Uh, they were good friends of mine. I started growing up by going to their shows, and then... They were looking for some help running running the business side of of the the industry for the band, and I kind of was like, "Let me see if I can learn it. If I can learn it, I'll help you guys out." So I started helping, like just booking shows, traveling with them. We were together every week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. We were playing shows. The next thing you know, I was at practice Monday, Tuesday, Monday and Wednesday nights at the practice space. Then I was online when I was home. I was searching venues, reaching out to venues. Next thing you know, I was their booking agent. Then I was the manager. Then we had we had some we had some success. And with that success came other bands asking me to help them out. And I started reaching out. Next thing you know, I'm working with three bands. Then I was working with four bands. Then I was overwhelmed and I wasn't helping any bands because I was too stretched out and I couldn't give every band the attention that was needed to do what i needed to do the right way so i kind of scaled it back and 
Diesel Entertainment was actually a name that Cameron used to use to book Plank. And when I was looking for a name and I'm like, hey, listen, I'm just going to become a booking agent and I'm going to start doing my own shows and I'm going to find venues and I'm going to book venues and throw shows and, you know, I'll put you guys on my shows and all this other stuff. And I couldn't figure out a name. And Cameron was like, well... I'm not using this. And I was like, well, do you want to sell it to me? And he's like, what? And I'm like, some, I love the name. I love the logo he made. And I'm like, why don't you, why don't you sell me that and let me have it? And he was like, I won't sell it to you. You can just take it. So that's how I ended up with diesel entertainment. And that's how diesel entertainment was born. And then I started booking shows. I was booking venues. I was Worcester, Massachusetts, Boston, uh, and then the South Shore, and then after a couple a couple of decent shows, I hooked up with a gentleman in Quincy who was telling me about a new venue opening, South Shore Music Hall. And I grew up and went to high school in Quincy. Grew up in Quincy. For something like that to happen in my home city, I was like, "Damn, I got to get involved. I got to be involved with this," you know, and. Uh, I went and met with the owner. He was he was like, "Oh, I heard you had a security background. I don't really need any promotion help. I already got a guy for that. I I, I would love to use you for security. Why don't you come in here and run the security, the venue security?" And I was like, "You know what? It's a foot in the door. I'll take that spot." And then while I was doing that, I was still running in the promotion scene, promoting booking shows, hooking, hooking bands up through mutual friends in the industry on that were dialed in in a bigger level than myself. I had friends that were touring with national bands and big booking agents like TKO out of New York and stuff. And they would always hit me up and say, Hey, we're looking for, we got an up and coming artist and we're looking for a venue in Boston or New England. Can you help us out? You can you can you recommend a venue? Can you help us push a show? And I would do that. And so everything fell apart with the promoter at the music hall in Quincy. And I was like, hey, let let me jump in here with my connects and let me throw some shows. And I did one show. I did a national reggae show. Went well. I think around that time was when you and I hooked up. Uh, someone referred you to me and me to you. And I think you were doing, was it Be Austin was your yeah. company? Yeah. And uh, I think that's about the time that we met. And you and I hooked up and branded together and started making magic in Quincy for a year and a half and started throwing our shows and really set, set the ball rolling for ourselves until, until the venue fell apart, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So tour buses up front. That was the number one thing. Yeah, that was the number one thing. My goal was always. Everyone was <laughs> like, uh, everyone was like, oh, nothing ever, nothing good ever happens in Quincy. Quincy, you can't do it. You won't do it. It won't happen. And I said, I guarantee you, within five months, I'll have tour buses outside of this club. And even the owner was like, dude, you're out of your mind. I think you're thinking way bigger scale than. Than I ever thought I ever think I could do, or I would ever think would happen here. And I said, "Give me, give me five months." 
And I think it was like three months later we had our first tour bus outside. Yeah, red jumpsuit. Yeah, you know, and then uh and it snowballed from there, you know, and then we hooked up with AAF. We did the low dough show, that big pop evil show. Um sold out. You you brought in your connects and we did a lot of punk rock shows with some big bands. I don't know, I'm not too dialed in with the punk rock scene, so I wasn't familiar with the bands, but I knew you did and you had a handle on it and you you brought you brought in some great crowds and some great bands and the place the place really became a special place for a for a short time, you know. Yeah, I miss that place to death. And um, you know, just you and I talking, we just had this uh we just had this mutual thing that, you know, um that just works. Like you're a little bit different than I am. We do we're kinda of at the same goal, but we do things a little bit differently. Um but the overall goal is if you guys are listening to this and you want to be a part of anything, you have to start from the ground down there and then like work up and you just got to hustle and hustle and hustle, uh, you know, and that's the biggest part of the whole situation. Um, and the big thing about when you get to a certain level of the music scene, um, as Tim and I can tell you, is that people can smell the bullshit from a mile away. Hundred percent. So 100%. you gotta be you gotta be a hundred percent genuine. You gotta like, you know, you gotta you know look for you. And, and we we do have failures. Like we all did the Walker Shame. I did the Walker Shame for my Smile Empty Soul show. I uh, man, I it's yeah. it's all part of the game. Even it's the, all part even of the game. Even the giant, even the giant guys lose often. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Every every show is not a win. Every every situation is not a win. And but for you to show the big dogs, the people that you're trying to roll with and you're trying to be like, for you to show them you're serious and for them to take you serious, you they you need to take those risks. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you can't you can't sit there and say it's like an, an MMA fighter saying, "Yeah, I'm a fighter," but all he does is train, never has any fights. Exactly, bro. If if you if if you want these fighters to take you serious, you gotta have fights, and you can't just you can't be the two hundred pound guy fighting on the hundred and fifty pound guys. Like you, you gotta fight a guy that's two twenty. You gotta fight a guy that's two ten. You gotta get your ass whipped a couple times. You know, you you gotta take that chance because that's how you're showing these people that you're serious and and you you're coming you're coming to play. You're bringing it. You know. You 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 want to be a player. You're gonna try and be a player. You're gonna do what you got to do. So if that means you got to put up a couple grand, even if you know you're gonna lose it, shit. If you put up two grand and you get fifteen hundred back and you take a five hundred dollar hit, yeah, five hundred dollars is a lot of money, but that ain't bad. It's you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And when you when you do that, that rolls you into another opportunity to take a chance later on and you don't know that two that $500 hit and then you get another opportunity you go in on another show's three grand you might make four grand you might make a grand you know you get your three back and you make a grand it, it's it's it's, the, it's all part of the it's all part of the gig but no one's going to give you those opportunities if you don't take risks to show them that you're serious about getting where you're trying to go truth you know but also, like we we could talk about is the uh, how you mentioned after a while, or after a few shows, and these uh, booking agents start getting um, you know f happy and getting good rapport about you. Um, 
they do call you and they're like, Hey, or they text you and like, Hey, I got a buddy that needs to be in new England, this area, you know, you and I are on those, on the, are on those texts still. Yes. hundred percent. And you know, when did, uh, that was 2013 that, uh, we uh, no 2014 is when it shut down, right? Um, was it 14 or 15? Okay, then I think it was 14. I think because yeah, it was four, it was 14. Yep, yeah, it was yeah, 14. So yeah, yep. yes, so 2014 shut down. So we, we're still getting texts from like big name, um, people, um, just saying, Hey, like, I'm looking for a band in New England, upcoming band, or I'm, I'm looking for a band to like a uh, venue to thing. And we kind of mix people together, we do it a lot for a lot of guys that are trying to do smaller venues that are bigger guys. Um, it's, it's, it's really, it, it's the behind the scenes stuff that I have always thought it was interesting. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny when you, when you build report people in people in the music business, they, 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 I call it dabbling. They're not just in one spot. Like they're dealing with thousands of people, thousands of it's a network. You know what I mean? Kind of like, kind of like a Facebook for music type deal. And when you make these connections and these people know who you are and they trust you or they trust your word, if they're coming in your area or they need to know something or they need something, you're the, you're going to be the first call, you know, because they know you're going to shoot them straight. And that's, it's, it's important and it's cool to have, like to be out of the business for six years now and still get phone calls or texts or an email saying, Hey, I got, I got a band coming into New England. Uh, they're up and up and coming. They're playing a small venue. Uh, tickets are slow. Can you throw a word out there? Can you, can you, can you help us out? Can you direct me somewhere? Can you give me a contact person I can reach out to at a radio station or a promotional avenue in the area that I can get a word out that that's cool stuff. You know what I mean? And on, and it helps. And on a bigger scale, when, when they're on a bigger tour or something bigger is going on and you need a favor, you know, you can be like, Hey man, any way you can help me out. My wife really likes this band. They're coming in town. You can, you do something for me? And, uh, and, and, and one hand feeds the other, you know what I mean? Next thing you know, you get a text, Hey, there's two tickets that will call. You want to you want, you go 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 grab them. Go to the show. You know, and and that's just the way it works. And and it's it's a cool thing to have. You you can. It's a crazy industry, and you hear a lot of shit about it and about stuff that goes on that's not good. But there's way more good than bad in the industry. And it's all about how you carry yourself and the way you treat people and build and making relationships. Yeah. I have a tour manager that, uh, well, not a tour manager anymore, but he's a, uh, he's a, yeah, he's a tour manager slash like VIP guy and like a handler for a band. And every time they're local, if I'm going to the show, he'll message me on Facebook and says, Hey, can you pick me up? Like a bunch of these needs that he can't get. Cause he's, you know, he can't go to the store and yep. I meet him. I meet him in the outside the arena in line and I give him the bag. <laughs> uh, and so that again, it the best thing to do if you want to do anything in the music business is be hundred percent real and no bullshit. It's it. That's you it, know? man. And they because everyone can smell it out and I hate to say it, but especially in Boston, um, we are competing. We used to compete a lot with people to get, you know, Boston's not that big. 
Um, and we were right outside of Boston and we were trying to get people out of like to come out of the city to come to us. Um, and it's, it's, it was a struggle, but we, we did it. And, um, I don't know, like those people that I know for a fact, like, you know, a lot of them just disappeared or they ended up having something really bad happen, um, at a show and their reputation's ruined. No one could ever say that about us. Very fortunate enough to have that. Um, but either way, you're going to piss somebody off, no matter what you do. I, I think you just got to pick and choose your battles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if in the biggest thing is people, people want to impress. People see a higher power or a person who's connected in the industry, and they they want to impress them. They want them to like them. They want them to be to think they're cool and reach out to them every t- every time they're around, or they want them to they want to be able to call that person and say hey i can call so-and-so who's does this and this and i could be on this tour bus or in this dressing room or backstage pass or like it ain't about that man it's it's about being a a relationship and being a friend you know um you don't you don't have to tell people all that shit if you gotta tell someone that stuff you don't really have the relationship you think you have with these people you know what i mean Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's just it's the way it is. I mean, you know how it is. Braggers usually don't. You're just talking shit anyway. <laughs> so true, so true. So, what's your uh, what's your favorite booking story? Man, so my first one ever. I mean, I I went on a I went on a reggae cruise festival and uh, I I made a lot of connections with a lot of bands, a lot of managers, tour managers. I came home. I'm like, damn, I gotta throw a reggae show now. And everyone's like, what? You don't even listen to reggae. And I was like, man, I hooked up with this band called The Movement. And they're they're awesome. Like great bands, awesome music. I love them. I'm like, I gotta get them to Boston. I gotta get them to Boston. And everyone everyone's like, what? And then uh, a couple people that knew the music that were in that vibe, they were like, you can't get those dudes a show in Boston. And I was like, okay. So I made an agreement. It was first ever booking was $2,500 cost me. They came up from California, played the show. I think there was maybe 50, 60 people there. I paid them $2,500, and I committed to the opening band, who was a reggae band from the North Shore. I committed to them for $500 to open. I think there was 40 people there. I think I had... I think at the I think the gate did three hundred bucks, and uh, I went to settle up at the end of the night. And the manager Robbie was like, "Man, it was a slow night. Um, we didn't do what we thought we were gonna do, because they had told me that they they were good for at least two hundred people, two hundred tickets. And then I figured uh, a popular local act would bring me at least a fifty to hundred. So I'm like, I'm gonna do all right. At a minimum, I'll break even." I lost my shirt. So when we were settling up, the man at the tour manager, Robbie, was like, Hey man, I saw what was going on out there. I know, I know this is a tough one for you. He's like, Tell you what, just give me fifteen hundred bucks and uh we'll be good. And I was like, No, we had an agreement, man. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you your money. And he was like, What? And I'm like, Yeah, I'm gonna give you all your money. And he was like, 
You really are. I think he didn't think he was going to get paid. I think, I mean, you know how it is in this business, man. People, people say they got the money and they got the stroke and then they go, Oh man, the gate didn't do what I thought or I'm losing my shirt. I don't have the money to pay you. I think he thought it was going to be one of those deals. So when I handed him the 2,500, he like hugged me and I thought he was going to cry. And he was like, man, anything you got, anything you need, you want to do another show once you get yourself more established and you want us to come back anytime, anything you need, just let us know we're there for you. And I'm still cool with those guys to this day. And, uh, and then I ended up same thing with the opening act. They were like, man, if you just want to give us a couple hundred bucks, I know we didn't draw like we told you we would. And it was slow. And I was like, no, man, we had an agreement, 500 bucks, 500 bucks. And, uh, and they were just like really appreciative. And it ended up working out for me because, those guys all went back and said, Hey man, this kid, this dude's the real deal. If he, if he tells you he's going to do something, it's going to get done and you're going to get taken care of. He's not going to bullshit you. He's not going to use the gate as an excuse. And it really helped me get myself out there and gave me the, the kind of catapult I need to be able to make stronger bookings and deal with people. And it let the serious people know that I was a serious person and I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to bail out on him. And I, I'm never that guy anyways. I think you know me well enough that if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, whether it's money, uh, rather, however it got to be handled, discipline, whatever. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it all the way through to the best of my ability, you know? Yeah, so to give you, to, to give people a little bit of a background of, like, how if you guys never booked a show, which a lot of people haven't, but especially if you're a club booker like we were, um, you have to make sure that the sound guy gets paid. You got to make sure security gets paid. You got to make sure that the and then the bartenders kind of live off the tips and everything else like that. So when you're when you're booking a show, you're paying for the the entertainment and everything in between. Yeah, I mean you're basically renting the venue. You're leasing the venue for a night, and you're responsible for everything that goes on in that venue and getting everybody paid who's working every work, any person who's there for a job, they got to get paid. And it's your responsibility to make sure the money's there to get all these people paid. So there's nothing to jump onto and just do like you need to, uh, you know, put all your P's and Q's together when you start doing it. Yeah, you definitely, you definitely, you definitely, you definitely got to have some type of knowledge. I mean, that was my first time ever doing my first like big booking. And yeah, I took a hit. I think I lost $3,200 at the end of the night. I think I was out like 3,200, but I knew right then and there, like, dude, I got to shop with my pencil and get my shit together before, if I'm going to keep doing this, like, <laughs> I, I I got some things to figure out. I got, you know, it was a big learn. It was a big learn. It was a big lesson for me. And I learned a lot from it. And I learned and it was, it allowed me to grow and, and get better at what I was doing. And then when I hooked up, when me and I hooked up, I mean, we both put our, put our brains together and we kind of got it down pat. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we became a, a different style of negotiations and yeah. We learned, I, I took some things that I learned from my, uh, from Dan Hartwell and I kind of like mixed it into my own and we kind of, kind of made our own thing and it was, uh, it was tremendous and 
the crappy part about working there though was that we like would book for like two months and like we would get the phone call and this is not trying to get like you know talking shit or whatever but like the owner would be like i don't know if we're gonna be opening up anymore you know and then he's like all right i'll do one more month and so we're scrambling <laughs> to like you know bring these nationals in to try to get people calm and like it was constant it was constant yeah and then uh you know we started doing the acoustic thursday thing um which that became pretty cool so uh social music hall was in a basement and it was a 525 capacity um of a, a huge stage vip section um it wasn't the cleanest place you know, we tried our best, but it wasn't the best, you know, uh, but it was, it was definitely had this character. And um, when it was full, it felt like the TD Garden, right? Absolutely. I mean, it was a great venue. It was, it, the setup was nice, but you know how it is, man. Monkeys can't sell bananas. If you, if you own a bar and you have a drinking problem, it's just, it's not a, it's not a it's not a good recipe for success, you know. And it was it was easy for us to book the shows and put everything together. But at the end of the day, there was someone who had power over us and that person just didn't have their shit together. Yeah. Well, so what are you up to now? What do you what, what's in the future? That's a great question. I'm uh right now I'm just being working, being dad. Got the two little ones. You know, uh I'm enjoying that. But I've been I'm I'm dying to revisit the music thing. My the big thing right now is there's nothing there's no place around. Like I wish there was another venue local on the South Shore that did live music or that was set up to do live music. You know what I mean? Big live music. Like there's nothing around. All the, all the bars are gone. All the clubs are gone. Live music is, is like gone from the South shore. There's a lot more breweries. You should probably hook up with like a brewery, make it into like a night venue. You know? Yeah. And then in the breweries, for some reason, they don't want to get the live. They don't want to get a live entertainment license. You know, or they do when they get. Oh, we just want DJs, or we just want. We're just set up for acoustic stuff. We're not set up for electric or live or to go real. And it's like, listen, man, get it set up. Let's do it. You know, um, and I, I, I'm 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 itching to get back into it, but. It's got to make sense, you know, and it's it's harder to take risks with tons of money now when you got, I own a house now. I didn't own a house before. I have a wife, two children. So, I mean, it, you, it definitely got to be a lot smarter about it now, you know, and, and the risk is a lot more riskier. <laughs> when When you're 30 and you're single and... You only got to take care of yourself. You can throw money around and you can be a maniac and take all the risks in the world you want because you're not hurting anybody. And it's not going to affect anyone but yourself. Now, at 43, with a wife, a six-year-old, a five-year-old in two weeks, 
think things are a little different. You know, you, you think differently, you prioritize differently. Not to say I, I, I'll never do it or if something made sense, I wouldn't get involved in it because I think I absolutely would. But again, is if the tools are there to do the job, I, I think I, I'd, I'd jump in and get in on the job. But right now, there's, there's no there's no local air. There's no local venue to support a, a show. And there's it's just not much out there, you know. I'm 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 kind of like with you on that one, but I'm also kind of like, if I'm gonna do something booking wise, it's not gonna be in a venue. It's gonna be something way bigger. Yeah, like I would, I, you know, I I would love I would love I would love to get in on a, get in on like a festival. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Put a put a team together and and do like a festival. I mean that would be amazing. And now you got Levitate going on in Marshfield. That's that blew up and it's gotten huge, and it's a big success. And that's cool to see, and that's great. But like stuff on that level, but on the rock side, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean that would that would be awesome. But again, you're talking money. <laughs> not, not 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 really just not really just money because if you if you map it out and put a plan together, I'm sure you can get. I'm sure. I mean, I know some people with some clout and some investors. I mean, the money don't scare me. I think it's more the time, the energy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To to put it all together and get it all going, securing the venue, finding the security, putting it all together, getting putting a building a lineup together. You're talking. It's got to be eighteen months eighteen months out to to do it and do it right and make it a success. You know, and who knows what's going on 18 months from now. The pandemic kind of just fucking crushed everything because everybody's a year behind. Did you know? you hear about that festival a couple of years ago? Which I this kind of feeds into what you were saying. Like, it's all these little things that add up and you got to, like, get everything going. Um, there was a, a festival that, like, started, the stage just started getting built and everybody started getting there. And the Fire Festival? No, no, not that one. Not oh. that. But there was a, a stage. I'm not going to say the name of it because yeah. Was, um, so they they get a stage pulled up. They get every they get the third stage pulled up. Finally, the stage crew was like, "Man, where's like the porter parties?" And everyone totally forgot about the porter parties. It was like <laughs> two days before the show. <laughs> so they had to like uh, they had to rush to get. To get some porta potties in there, yeah, <laughs> it me messed up the whole stage, the whole thing. <laughs> oh, the whole thing. <laughs> oh man, yeah, because man. Anyway, I've, you don't have a team, you know. You just <laughs> it is. It's crazy. Like I've seen, I've I've been around some shit that's gone south, not not directly involved, but around and seen mutual partners involved in putting something together that kind of fell apart in the middle of it all or during it or whatever. And it's just not a good spot to be in. You know what I mean? And, and people, <laughs> it could fuck you all up. You know, yeah. there, there was a guy that uh, I used to work with who was, he had a name for himself in the industry. He had connections. He was hooked with nationals and he, uh, he made some crazy agreements with some people about a festival up up north northern New England and uh 
he uh he put a bunch of shit together and it fell through it fell through like right in the middle of it and caused a big shit show and people that guy's still hiding like people a lot of people lost a shit ton of money a lot of people got screwed over like it was a mess and i'm like fuck that man if if I'm gonna put my name on something or get involved in something, it's gotta be solid and it's gotta it's gotta be it's gotta be concrete, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like I don't ever wanna be that guy. Like that this dude can't show his face in public. People wanna kill this guy, and I'm like, fuck. Like I ne- before I witnessed that, I I knew it would be fucked up and you could like lose your reputation and nobody would wanna deal with you. You probably wouldn't be able to go to some shows, you probably wouldn't obviously you wouldn't be able to call anybody and VIP anything or anything like that. But I didn't think it would be like, dude, you got to hide for your life. Like people want to kill you. You owe, you owe people thousands of dollars. You made people look stupid. You fucking shit on other people's names and reputations by doing what you just like, Dan, that's a lot of responsibility, man. And you don't, you don't want to live with that shit on your conscience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. Especially if you love music, because you just like the dude's cut off from music for the rest of his life, pretty much. You can listen to it on your radio or in your house, but you ain't going outside. <laughs> you know, I'm dying to go to a show. It sucks. Yeah, uh, I think. Well, yeah, I think I got a September. I think is my this next time I'm going to go to a show. Um, September 25th up in Boston at. Uh, what the fuck is it called now? Leadership Pavilion or whatever. The name oh. changes every year. Bank America Pavilion. Yeah. No, it's not even that anymore. Now it's like Leadership Leader One Pavilion. It used to be Hobo. I call it Hobolites. That's what it yeah. was when I was a kid growing up. That's that's just my name for it. They will always be Hobolites. Kind of like Tweeter Center will always be Great Woods, no matter what. Yeah. You know? We'll but, uh, the Tweeter Center. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, but it's it's wild man and i love i love shows i love the music I, I i don't think i'll ever get away from shows i'll probably my kids love live music my kids go to shows i went took my son wednesday night to plymouth harbor because they were doing live band and we watched the band and he was loving it it's five years old it's like dude live music is is everything to me it's it's what what keeps me alive you know so I'll always be involved in music. I my kids just started music lessons. My daughter's learning guitar. My son's learning drums. Like I'll always be involved in music somewhere or another. But as far as like the business end and promoting shows and stuff like that, I don't know. There's I mean if something if some of a cool place popped up locally, I may dabble in it and see and see, and, and see what's up. But I like the idea of the festival thing. I mean. If you could get a good committee together and, and do it the right way, I'd totally be be down to get involved in something like that. Well, you'll get half because that's hard. Of course, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that that we haven't talked about it because we haven't talked for a while. But yeah, I've been I've been dabbling. I haven't put anything like put failures out there per se, but I have ideas like as you know yep how i do things so i uh like four years ago i put together a plan because i wanted to do a festival at veteran stadium in quincy yes we i did. had it I, I, I was there with you 
you were you were there, so you knew about that. Mm-hmm. Like I still have all that paperwork in my basement. I have everything. Like I had it all laid out. And uh, I mean, we were uh, we were doing some stuff for uh, a very very uh, powerful lead singer of a very big band. Correct. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I, I mean. I would love to pull that out and revisit it and see what's up, especially now that the cannons left the stitched out on ditched out on Quincy and, and got bought out and moved to Gillette stadium. So the stadium's vacant again, other than high school sports, like you could put that thing to good use and throw some, throw a sick festival in there. That would be absolutely insane. And it'd bring thousands of people to Quincy. It'd be a good revenue stream for, for the city, you know, and, uh, it would just be such a cool thing. And I, I mean, I would love to revisit that, but it, again, it's not something I could do myself. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think you and I would, could get it done with, but we would need a good supporting cast to help us out. You know what I'm saying? Very true. Yeah. But we, as we, sh- we showed people across the, across the, the South shore in Boston, don't uh, don't doubt us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think if people saw that something was coming together and they saw our names on it, they would be like, "Shit, that's gonna be sick," or oh, you know, "Shit, that's gonna happen," and that's gonna be that's gonna be something to keep an eye on, you know. And and that's the cool thing about all this is being away from it for years and still having that, still having that that rapport with everybody that in the industry or in the, in the business or locally that knows us and knows what we do and how we operate. Like if we were like, Hey, we're back into it. We got this, we're going to be running shit out of this venue right here. And this is going to be the new venue to go to be at for shows. Then, then I think people would flock, you know? Yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on. I really do. And, um, I think this will, kind of give people a bigger understanding about the booking and uh and basically there's a lot of people don't talk about this part of it you know (laughs) yeah well i mean it's 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 the ugly part you know it's it's the part no one sees no one you hear about all the successes you hear about the sold out shows you hear about the the bullshit that goes on at the shows but you never hear about the guys that throw up the money to make the show happen or the guys that that put up the dough to get the people to get the bands there that didn't draw and lost all the money, you know, or had to drive to seven different stores because the <laughs> writer said that they needed glass bottles of Coke. Not yeah. That. Glass bottles of Coke, <laughs> fucking purple M&Ms and nonsense. You know what I'm saying? Like, fuck. Yeah. But, uh, it was certain shit on a pizza. Like, Hey bro, we want this type of pizza. Well, nobody around here, nobody in Boston makes that type of pizza. Well, we got well, that's what type of pizza we want. Well, guess what, man? If you gotta pay extra, you gotta pay extra. You gotta get someone to make that type of pizza, or you you're gonna piss these dudes off, and you're never gonna see them again. And it's just stupid little shit like that. That no matter how good things go, if you don't take care of these people and get them what they want, you didn't come through for them. So you're not their guy. They're gonna go with another promoter the next time they want to come to the market. You know. Always in the hotel room too. That's important. Oh, the hotel room. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
<laughs> you, need, you need to make sure you have the hotel rooms all taken yes. Yes. Yeah, it's it's definitely when when you go from booking locals to regionals to nationals. Nationals are totally different beasts. And uh, well, you become you become almost like you're not just a booking agent for music. You're like a fucking travel agent. You're booking the band, the hotel rooms for the bands, like parking for the trailer, parking for the tour bus. Uh, Hotel room. Get us from the hotel room to the venue. We don't want to take the bus. The bus is going to stay at... It's like, shit, now I'm, I went from booking a band to play music to I'm fucking booking hotel rooms. I'm getting taxis. I'm shuttling these dudes around. I'm buying them dinner. It's like, you you become more than... It's more than just a booking agent, you know? You, it's, it's, it, it gets wild, you know? And, and people don't realize that... Like you said, you said that word, the rider that rider adds up man if if you get a band for three grand and you don't know what their rider is and then they hit you with the rider the rider could be another two thousand dollars so now a show you thought you were into for three grand you're into for five you know mm -hmm. it's 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 it can, it can get crazy if you, if you don't know what you're doing and you can be taken for a ride if you if you don't know the ins and outs and what to expect my favorite thing though that i've noticed booking national acts is the bigger name guys are the most understanding and the most easiest riders. Uh, I think the biggest ones that we did had like Gatorade and uh, some vodka, some wine, mm -hmm. no pizza, but you had to pay like 20 bucks each for them to go get something to eat at a restaurant. Right. Um, but then you got like these other guys that we had that were kind of like one hit wonders that uh, basically wanted freaking everything everything <laughs> like dude i need a case a case a case each of three different beers it's like dude you can't even drink a case of beer man what do you mean you need three cases of beer but that's hey that's the business and when you they bust their ass to get themselves to a position where they can demand that shit and people are giving it to them who are you to say no? You know what I mean? And especially if you want them to, to do business with you and to, to come play your venue and you want them to, to play under your banner, guess what? You got you got to put up like everybody else, so you got to get the shit, whether you think they deserve it or not. And there we are, running around, store to store to store. <laughs> and to touch and to give you a little bit more, people a little bit more insight about this business and like how you talked about like uh, TKO and a couple of, so there's like, five or six major uh, booking agencies for all the big national acts. And what they do is they give you their, I won't say the less is quality upfront. Like, so say if you go in, you say, I want, we'll say taproot, right? So we want to, we put, we put in a bid to bring in taproot to Quincy mass and the, guy goes you know what taproot no we're not gonna we can't do it for that but we'll give you small empty soul for this and now that's like small empty soul is a little bit a lesser grade meaning like money wise for them so they give you those guys first and that's how they bridge the gap to see like how you do with them and that's how that connection starts if you treat those guys that that way that's when your name gets into a good part right and and they do a lot of other shit like what Another one that I dealt with was, hey, I want to bring, I want to bring X, Y, Z 
to South Shore Music Hall, say, and I want what are we looking at for dough? And they would do something like they would send me a thing saying, Hey, we'll give you these guys for three thousand dollars, but you gotta take this this artist at this date for this much money. So like yeah, I got a I got a I got an artist up and coming, touring through the area on a Wednesday night. I need to get her a gig. Let her play your venue. We'll give you it for eight hundred bucks. I think you'll at least make your money back. And it's like if you're like, no, dude, I'm all set with that. Okay, then we we just won't deal with you. You won't get the booking on either show. You take it and you take that little risk. You're kind of you're kind of building a rapport with them, and they're building a rapport with you. And you do that shit, and next thing you know, they're calling you going. Hey, that went well. I got X, Y, Z. We're looking this. This is what's coming up in a couple months. You interested in this? You interested in that? Next thing you know, you're getting all these emails and all these offers are out there, and you're and you're rolling. You know what I mean? And and you're picking and choosing, and you yes and no, and hey, this package is coming together. Is this something you'd be interested in? What do you what do you think you could throw at it? And and that's just how the ball snowballs. But if you're not willing to deal and negotiate and take chances, these people aren't going to give you the time of day because it's just not worth it to them. <laughs> so hopefully, if anyone's out there thinking about starting a real booking agency, you basically just got the how-tos in this episode. And the idea of life of like Tim and myself and uh the craziness so uh respect the booker if you see the guy in the <laughs> that's running around shake his hand at the show <laughs> yeah thank him. thank him for bringing the band thank him yeah. for bringing these people you know everyone thinks that everyone thinks they the band the booking agents making a million dollars off this show he's really not he might be breaking even he might be losing a thousand dollars he you know and even if he's making 500 like you put up three four five grand to make five hundred dollars that's that's not that's not a that's not a that's not good business you know what i mean you put up three four five grand and you make 10 grand 15 grand now now you're rolling but i mean it's it's a lot of there's a lot of stress to make it happen. I mean, at the end of the day, if you you know you break even and everyone has a good night. The bands kick ass. The people are happy. The public's happy. The public wants to come back to the venue and, and see another show. That that's that's when you're winning. You know, one of our one of our best shows was uh, Chris. Do you remember Kings of Hollywood? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a tribute. They were a tribute band out of I think they were out of New York, and. Uh, they did Poison, Motley Crue, and Guns N' Roses. They, they were unbelievable. But I we had them in there three times. We booked them three times. And two out of the three times, they were amazing. And they drew huge. It was great shows. But, like, it was a lot of work getting these guys in here. You're bringing these guys up from New York. You're putting them in hotels. And that's not even a national band. These guys are a tribute band. But Journey guys from Connecticut, too. Yeah, you know, and but they they did their thing. They were amazing. Everybody loved them. Every time anyone went to that show, they had a great time. The music was solid, and people were like, "Oh, when they coming back? When they coming back? When they coming back? When they coming back?" It's like, 
listen, man, we're trying to we're trying to book national shows. We want original bands in here. But if you guys want, the, you people want to keep coming out and seeing these guys, and they're gonna they're gonna draw, we'll bring them back every few months, you know. But that 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 was another band, another group of guys that we did very good business with, and they were good dudes. And then towards the end, they kind of had their own personal issues, and they kind of I don't know what happened with them, but that that was another good a good on the tribute side. So you get away from the nationals, you get away from the original stuff and you get into covers and tributes and you can deal with a tribute band who's really well, who's really good and established. You can deal with them just, just as good as you do a national. Some of them cost more. Yeah. Right. And some of them, are, some of them are almost just as much money. <laughs> There's one that I was, uh, very, very shocked at how much they get paid. And, um, it's just it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what are you what are you gonna do at the end of the day? They put asses in the seats, and that's, exactly. that's the name of the game, you know. Yeah, but it was I I I would say sticker shock per se. Like when we were like we we acquired by them, and they're like, oh yeah, boom, no, no problem. I'm like, yeah, that is a problem. <laughs> 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 About eighty twenty. What do you say? Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Hundred percent at the door. What do you yep. think? Um, all right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Do you have any uh, goodbyes or words of wisdom for anybody out there that's listening to this? Just do your homework, man. It's it's a fun business. It's fun. It's a fun thing to be a part of. Um, just make just do your homework. Make sure you you know what you want and have goals, and don't let anyone deter you from your goals. Um, and always remember, man, it's nothing's guaranteed. It's an investment. So, I mean, you're going to have to put up, you're going to have to put up some dough and depending on how, how big, how big and how bad you want to establish yourself, the, the bigger and badder you want to be, the, the more, the more you're going to have to come out of your pocket and to make it happen. And it's not, it's not a bad thing. I mean, if you're willing to do it, I would say just do it. Uh, don't let anyone deter you from it and just attack it head on. Um, hopefully soon, hope I'm, I'm hoping something soon breaks around here again and we get it, we get another local venue and, uh, we, we can, we can do something. Well, like I said, Chris, you and I will talk outside of, uh, outside of this and, uh, talk yeah. about this festival idea. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, man, I miss it. I miss it a lot. I, I'd love to get back, get back into it. And but, like I said, the the piece has got to be there, and, and the start, everything's got to be right, you know. Exactly. And I, I definitely, if you guys are gonna do this as a words of wisdom, to keep you grounded, you need to keep your day job, not only for financial stuff, but because you're a VIP during the weekend, people are kissing your ass. You're doing all this stuff. You're trying to stay, but you're trying to stay this way. And then you go on Monday, like, you know, go to work on Monday, Thursday, and they, they slap you back into, yeah, you're, you're a grunt. Yep. <laughs> so you, you need that. You still need your day job. So don't. Yeah. Yeah. Please, <laughs> please, please don't, don't quit your day job. 
<laughs> you need that you need that level playing field because that's that's where it happens a lot of people quit and they like i started a business no don't no. do that yeah, don't <laughs> do that please or if you if you do don't say we told you yeah <laughs> stay humble you have to stay humble no way to stay humble is getting slapped in the face that's it uh, man that's it <laughs> well i appreciate you coming on bro and uh, anytime bro is uh good to talk to you and uh hopefully we'll get together soon definitely Hi, bro. Tim for coming on. Thank you. Oh, my God. That was a fun one. Hopefully, you guys dig it and you guys learned something about booking. It's literally, for me, always been fascinating. So, I'm going to try to get more production people in here. We, we're already in the works of that to give you guys the true unsung heroes of the music scene and the music business that people don't really know. It's not just all rock stars and rainbows. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of hard work thankless work but it's a lot of fun work um so thank you guys uh thank you tim again and as you can hear we're always coming up with something that's just how we are so coming up next is uh my friend dotessa's own jackie ward she's a female entrepreneur she does real estate she does everything she gives us a day life of her and what she does so uh that that episode's coming up next thank you guys so much for all your support Please check out www.frontstairstalkspodcast.com and to stay up to date. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you guys for listening to Frontstairs Talks. If you'd like to come on the show or have a show idea, please email us at frontstairstalksinfo at gmail.com. Also, you can follow us on all of our socials, Facebook and Instagram under Frontstairs Talks Podcast. You can also listen to us on any smart speaker device by just saying, hey, Alexa, or hey, Google, play Frontstairs Talks podcast.